I think the most valuable thing is having one-on-one times with your kids. Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, wherever you are in the world. Welcome back to Social Convos. I'm your host, Diego, together with my co-host, Sean-Luc. Sean-Luc, how is it going today? Well, this has been a, a difficult day. I just said to our, co- to our guest for today that we had a nationwide blackout for the internet because the internet wasn't working properly. So, But luckily, it's good enough to do a Social Convos. So we're excited to be back. And I think... We're going to have a streak of really interesting guests and our guest for today gets to kick it off. And yeah, let's get straight into it. Sure. So who are we having today and what's the topic of the day? Okay. So today we're having as a guest, Karis Meyer. Karis is an awesome woman. She's a mother and she's a wife and mother of four. She has a lot of interests, including, of course, her family, like I just mentioned, but also the church is very important to her. But also writing, counseling, and soccer. I definitely want to talk a little bit about soccer during the end of of today's uh, show. But what we're really going to talk about is how to deal with chronic illness and how to find find strength. And Karis is going to share with us how she found her strength. And hopefully it, it helps us as well, not just people listening in or tuning in, but that we can help spread the word. So... Without further ado, let's introduce our guest. Karis, welcome. Thank you. It's good to be here. We're glad to have you. <laughs> really glad to have you. And I was, I was hoping that Diego could tell us a little bit more about the Northern Virginia experience since he was just very, well, not near, but near your state. But of course, we're interested knowing like you've lived in different places, so Tell us a little bit about, not necessarily how you ended up in Northern Virginia, but tell us a little bit more about living in Northern Virginia and also compared to other parts of the States. Yeah. So we have moved around a lot. We've moved, I think, 13 times in 16 years. So a lot of moves, been everywhere from Alaska to Georgia, seen a lot of different States. But I think for both my husband and I, Northern Virginia has been probably our top place to live. And it's, I think one of the main things is the diversity here. There is just people from everywhere, everywhere you could ever imagine. And they're they're our neighbors, they're in our church, you know, our children's school. It's it's a huge blessing. I grew up living overseas some, like in the Philippines and Singapore and Costa Rica. And so I have a I have a heart for just lots of different people international. And so to be living among Lots of different nationalities and cultures and diversities is just a huge blessing to be a part of that. And everything is just so close. We So we came from, last we were in Washington State, which is, of course, on the far west coast. And everything there is very spread out. But here, everything is very close. So we can just drive. I mean, Maryland is like, what, 20 miles from us. So we can <laughs> go to Maryland or, you know, D.C., there's... Of course, every museum you would ever want to go to or not want to go to. And yeah, the coast is nearby. Just a lot of fun things to do. So we love it here. She mentioned something interesting. 
because everything is nearby. And I think in Singapore, it's, it's even more dense, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. So, so, so for people like living in the U S or, or Europe, like what's, what's, what's Singapore like compared to, to living in the U S? Oh, Singapore is amazing. You, you touched a very, that's just that those years living there were the, the best years of my life, but it's, yeah, I mean, everything there is very, it's just built up on top of each other. So there's lots of high rises. It's extremely clean. It's very well run, but it's also very diverse. I mean, I went to a school growing up, I went to a school with like 65 different nationalities. And, and so again, a lot of diversity, a lot of just culture. So, but it, it was, it was. Is there something that you fondly remember? Is it like a food or something that you're saying like, hey, this is what I used to have when I was younger, which I would definitely recommend to others? Yes. So there's an Indian pank that they would make. It's called like mortaba or something, but it's it's kind of a very thin pancake that they 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 can, well, they, it's, I say pancake, but they can put meat inside of it or um, savory or make it sweet and then dipping sauce with like curry sauce. That was definitely our favorite go-to. Yeah, sounds a lot like what we call roti. What we call roti. roti. Yes, yeah, it's yeah. similar to that. Yeah, awesome. That's really cool. Okay, so we we moved all over the world, but there's of course a, a a very important topic that we wanted to discuss today and create some more awareness about, which is which is chronic illness, and there are different perceptions on what chronic illness is and also living in all those different countries. How, how is, how has that affected your life or where did this, your chronic illness become an issue for you? Yeah. So I, I was actually visiting some family in Pakistan almost, well, yeah, about 17 years ago now and picked up some different parasites over there and Because of the situation I was in, living in Alaska, and at the time, it, it just took a long time to figure out what was going on with me. And so by that time, I had just, they had done a lot of internal damage. And so from that point on, and that was the same year I actually got married to my husband. But from that point on, I just had one thing after the other go wrong. A lot of organ failures, just a lot of chronic stomach and intestinal stuff. So for the last, yeah, it's been, what, seven, yeah, it's been 17 years that there's just been a lot of, a lot of different things with my health that, have, that has just been really difficult. I can, I can't imagine. Well, I can't, of course, feel the full scope of what you're, what you're dealing with. I only had one experience once and internal bleeding. And for me, it was well, basically changing some parts of your life and I'm quickly going to introduce it. And then you can also share with us, like, what are things that people often regret or take for granted? What are things people take for granted that people are not aware, aware of that have issues that don't have issues with, with, with these kind of illnesses? So many things. I, I mean, growing up, I was very athletic and played, well, soccer was my favorite sport, but played a lot of different sports. And after I got sick, my body was a lot weaker. And so I couldn't play 
I couldn't play soccer like I used to, couldn't run. I mean, I was, I was a runner. And so that's one thing is just not having energy to do extracurricular things. And I think just the, the feeling of well-being, the, the, the feeling of not being distracted by your body. I, I think, you know, after I became sick and even to this day, you know, I have different things. I have a nerve condition called neuropathy where I have nerve pain and, and numbness and tingling. And so it's like distraction. Like I, I'm constantly distracted by my body. Whereas when you're healthy, you know, you don't have to really think about it. You get hungry and you eat, you know, you have to use the bathroom, use the bathroom, but you're not, you're not constantly like, I mean, if you ever had like a really bad headache or something, you can understand like you're, it's hard to, it's hard to be focused when your body is screaming at you with something else. So that's another thing for my personal issues with health. A lot of it is I have a lot of food restrictions. And so most times, you know, when we go out to eat or we're at social events, I can't eat what everyone else is eating. And you don't realize how much food is such a big part of life. Like so many things revolve around food. And so before I got sick, you know, I would just eat what I, whatever I wanted to, didn't think about it. And I can't do that anymore. So I don't know. Those are the a, a couple of things that come to mind. Yeah. So what what food what foods restriction threw you off the most? What food restriction was like? Really, do I have to let go of that? Well, for a time, I had to give up coffee, and that was horrible. I can drink coffee now, but gluten is is has was probably the hardest. I I haven't been able to eat gluten for many years. So there are a lot of gluten free foods, but it's not the same. Okay, let's, let's, well, I, I quickly, before Diego asks a question, I want to dive into that one because I, I need your experience the next couple of weeks, actually. I have a speaker coming over, international speaker for our conference, and I have to also make sure that it's gluten-free. So what, what is the secret to good gluten-free food? Read the label that, first of all, there are a lot of gluten-free foods now that they make, you know, like gluten-free breads, gluten-free pasta, you know, pizza. And so <clears throat> for, for people who, who, who need gluten-free, especially like have a very strict gluten sensitivity or allergy, I would just say, read the label. Obviously there's some foods that are naturally gluten-free, like vegetables and fruits and meats. And, but even they even put it in like sauces and cheeses and different things. So you just have to be careful. Could you briefly explain what gluten-free means? Cause I've heard it's pop up the last few years more right but yeah it's kind so of gluten yeah. is a, a protein it's it, gluten is a protein in the in the wheat that needs to be so gluten-free means you have to extract that from whatever the food is so anything that's made with like flour like or oats or let's see barley there's several different grains that have wheat in it wheat gluten in it does that make sense yeah, so it's, a, it's a, a specific protein within, like, that's naturally in grown. In the grain. Yeah, in, in grain specific. Mm -hmm. Got it. Yes. Okay, yeah, that makes some more sense. I missed the first part, but I'll let Jean-Luc pick it up, and I'll, I'm going to keep listening and try to interject. Yeah, so so because, I, I like I explained, I had an illness once. I had an, an internal bleeding, and I had to let go of caffeine. Or if I, I'm still allowed to use caffeine, but I'm only allowed to use caffeine on a full stomach. If I, it's not, if it's on an empty stomach, it directly started, starts damaging. 
So for me, that's hard because I drink a lot of cola and I don't drink coffee, but the cola part has been really hard on me, yeah. but I'm actually now on a 30 day water only uh, drinks diet, which is really good on so many levels, but for me, it hasn't been chronic. And a lot of people suffer with situations that it's, it's part of their life forever. How, why, at what point did you find the solution or find the energy to overcome the struggles of having to bear with certain things that you would have every day? At what point did I overcome it, you ask? Yeah. <laughs> or what helps the most to overcome it? Yeah, so I, I wouldn't say I have overcome it. I think it's a daily, it's a, it's a daily battle, but it's a daily choice too. You know, I, I think with with something that becomes chronic. And for me, you know, I kept thinking, oh, I'm going to get better soon. I'm going to get better. You know, this doctor will help me figure out what's going on. This doctor will help me, this doctor, this medication, you know, and when it's something that, the, that it's so system, sy systemic, you know, it kind of, some people, one thing affects the other. And then, you know, our bodies are just so complicated. And so if you treat one thing as something else, you know, so it's just interesting to see how, so for me personally, it was a process of like accepting, wow, this is not going away. This is something I need to learn how to not just pretend that I'm okay. Because in the beginning, I think I just did a very, I'm more of an in, internal processor and I don't share my pain very, you know, I, I, I tend to hide, like, I don't stuff things a lot, but I, I don't share openly like, oh, this is so hard. I would, I would generally just keep it all in. But then I think after several years of that, I realized I really can't do this alone. I, I do need help and I need to share with people how difficult this is. And so that was about five years ago that I really started to, even with my husband, just sharing with him how difficult things were on a daily basis. And I think that was part of the healing process was being able to let in other people, let, let other people into the pain that I was experiencing and, and receive comfort from others, receive help. I think too, you know, some people, when there's a, you know, when somebody has says, oh, they have cancer or they have a, a diagnosis, you know, people are so willing to help and so willing to join in. But it, when, when things keep going on and on and on and the <laughs> the illness doesn't go away, then you start to lose people, right? They get kind of like, I don't know what else to do with you, which is normal. You know, I'm not saying it, I'm not saying anyone did anything wrong, but that's just kind of lose interest. And so I think for, for people with chronic illnesses, it can be very lonely because you realize pretty soon like, oh, nobody wants to hear that I'm having a bad day again, <laughs> you know, except for, but you have to figure out who those people are, right? You have to figure out who the people are who can handle it and who want to hear. Cause, cause I mean, I have, I have a list of people that I call on the days where I really need help. I really need prayer. I really need someone to encourage me. And I'm so thankful to those people. So that's, that's, that's kind of, and, and of course in that too, I mean, I, I know I shared with you earlier just about my, so my faith, my, I, I believe in Jesus and, and that he is my best friend. He is always with me. And without having the hope of, you know, a resurrected body of, of going to heaven and, you know, that this living in this body and this earth would be difficult if I didn't have 
an eternal perspective, you know, thinking this is not, this is not where it ends. There's more to come. And that's, that's really the hope that I live by every day. I understand that internal processing podcast, I'm kind of similar, like you kind of bought a little before you start sharing. So I'm curious to know, like when you started sharing, you know, how did you start sharing? Well, what can I imagine like an interaction look like, especially with someone that, you know, maybe you're not used to, yeah, your husband uh, is, is someone you can, you know, mm-hmm. uh, lean into, but say someone how do you find others or identify others like what you could share on on a longer timeline mm-hmm. as you said yeah so i think it's de- it was definitely a process for me for for me i i kind of hit a very very low point you know i had so many different things going on in my health i ended up in the hospital for several days and i was on a, a feeding tube and different things and i <clears throat> i think i just realized how much I was trying to hold it together. And I don't know if it was for myself or for my family, because at that point I had a couple kids and I, I was very aware of how my illness affected my kids or affected my husband or so. But I, I, I hit a point where I just realized, wow, this is, this is too much for me to handle alone. And I, I was pretty good at putting on a smile and just you know, saying, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, and really not being fine. And so I think in the beginning, you know, it was kind of more of a gush, like I just, I started, I would say I had a breakdown, but I had like a, a release, like I had to, I had to kind of get some of the baggaged emotions out. And that started with my husband and with my sisters. My sisters are probably my closest friends and well, they are. And so it, it started there with people that I was really comfortable with, you know, and then, and then I started, you know, notice with, with people at church or others who asked me, how are you doing? And I would say, not very well, which I had never said in my life. I would, I would always say, oh, I'm good. <laughs> you know, things are fine. And what was the response like? Oh, was the response? What kind of a response did you expect then? Like, where when? You- yeah. So I think I, I think I expected like people to be let down or something. Or, but I, I, I think I received the opposite. I, I really felt a lot of love and compassion and acceptance. You know, I, I saw people like. like have sorrow, you know, and and sadness for me. And, but also just a lot of encouragement, you know, I, I kind of felt like, oh, it's okay. I don't have to, I don't have to hold it all together. I don't have to be, you know, I, I'm obviously I'm not perfect. No one is, but I think I felt like I had to be, that's kind of my personality, I guess. But, but yeah, it was a much better response than I, than I thought. And at that point, and even looking back now, I kind of regret the years where I kept it in more when I shouldn't have. I mean, I'm not saying that you sh- we should just be like, ah, to everyone, but there's a balance, right, that we all need to live in. And it's all, I think it's also a process. And I feel like we underestimate, and that's why one of the reasons why we're excited to talk about this topic is because we often underestimate like how many people actually, not the same kind of chronic, chronic illnesses, but how many people deal with it and how many people are afraid to, to talk about it. And, and you mentioned that it's hard to find people to talk with. You don't know, you don't want to be a burden. I think that's mm-hmm. something that you haven't said it directly, but that's something that first comes to mind. Like, Hey, I don't want to 
like push my problems towards others. Yeah. But finding different people is, is hard. And you also mentioned faith and how, how faith plays a role into it. So did you grow up religiously and did, did it change or is there something that happened that made you realize how much you could rely on faith to make it easier to, to talk with others, but also with yourself about it? Hmm. Yeah, so I did grow up in a Christian home and I mean, my parents are missionaries, so that they, they are both strong Christians, but it wasn't until my, after my freshman year of college, where I kind of made it my own, you know, I think growing up, I was more just, I mean, I always believed in God, but it was more, I felt like it was more following rules than the life-giving relationship that I, I began to develop in my probably early twenties in college. And, and then thereafter, it just continue to grow. And then, and I'm so thankful for that because it was shortly after that where I, where I, I got sick and, and I was already in, you know, I already had a, a strong relationship with the Lord. And so, and so I, I did, I do, I do remember in those early years, like he, God, he was the one that I always turned to first and he still is, but I think I've learned how to, you know, include other people in, in that group of, of people that I can rely on and turn to and, and trust, you know, with, with hard things. So before we go to like, no, I wouldn't say overcoming because you're very clear on that. It's, it's, you're working with it every day, but we do have some questions. Actually, one of the questions is from, from somebody tuning in and Shamil and Shamil is asking when cooking as a mother, do you have to cook separately for you and, and your family or? Uh, have they kind of included uh, themselves into your diet? <laughs> no, they haven't. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes I'll make things that we all can eat, but most nights, yes, that's an excellent question. And it is very hard because I try to, I try to cook healthy and, you know, good for my, for my family, but then also have to cook for myself. And so, yes, it, it, it does take a lot of, a little extra work. A little extra effort. So, but, but my children are very, you know, my, that's, I think that, that leads me to a, a point where, you know, for our kids who watch us, for people who are struggling with something, I think throughout this whole thing, the hardest thing for me was, is, I guess still is, is how my kids are going to be affected, you know, because some days it's really hard, you know, and they, they have to watch me struggle. They have, they've had to watch me go in and out of the hospital. I've, I've seen them many nights crying because they're anxious for me. They're concerned, you know, is mommy going to be okay? You know, but they, they are some of the most compassionate kids because they, they see pain and they know how to respond. They know how they're aware of people's needs. You know, they, when my kids see someone who's sick, they say, can we go pray for them? You know, so I, I was great. Yeah. So they, I think sometimes we're afraid of how our kids are going to be affected by a negative thing, but, but if we, if we guard them in the right way and, and help them through it, they can also grow a lot through it. So anyway, just wanted to share that. Oh, that, that's awesome. I mean, like my kids always want to, when they're in church, they want to 
or we visit the church outside, they also always want to light a candle. Like for somebody, they, they know that recently passed away, but that's already kind of after the person passed away. So having your children say that they want to pray for somebody who's feeling ill or has certain pain, that's, that's just such an awesome gesture. And thanks for sharing because that was actually one of my questions. Are there like things that routines or things that your children did pick up? So not the eating because probably they, they like different foods as well, but are there other things where they kind of have become infested more with, with you because of, of the illness? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they, so <laughs> my, about five years ago is when I really felt called to start writing. I, I hadn't done much writing before that. And it was actually my son. So my 12 year old now, he was like, mom, you should write a book. You should, you should make this in the book. And I was like, no, I'm not going to write a book. And, but over the years, he just, he just, he just kept at it, you know? you're going to write a book, mom, you're going to write a book, you're going to write a book. And so he's kind of been my, my biggest fan. And, and then I, I did write a book. So they, I think they have, yeah, they, they really journeyed and, and been an encouragement too. some days. I think I'm so thankful for my kids because the joy that kids bring and the, and the motivations for me some days is my kids. You know, I, I feel, oh, I'm too, I'm too tired. I'm too sick. I, I don't want to get out of bed, but my kids need me. Right. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this for the kids, you know, and, and oftentimes we, I share with them, you know, I share with them, honestly, I'm having a hard day, but it's okay because God helps us, you know? So, so I, I have tried to be, especially in the last few years and as they're getting a little bit older, you know, to be honest with them and to to show them how to walk through something that's hard because we're all going to go through hard things in life and they are too. And sometimes we try to guard our kids from everything and, and that's not bad because we don't want them to be exposed to things they shouldn't too early. But also the reality of our world is that there are going to be hard things. And so I don't know if I answered the question you asked. But. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Because basically your oldest, oldest one was kind of also your biggest fan and, and motivation to do. So to actually produce the book. So before we dive really into to the book itself, like you, you mentioned your writing journey started like five years ago. So tell us a little bit how it started. Do you remember your very first piece of content that you wrote down, what it was? <laughs> before oh. I go in, in, into that mm-hmm. one, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I am curious when you're get prompted you to write that book like what was it that like what did he he say or like why a book why in that format why did the why a store a book or a story why not a YouTube video why not yeah like <laughs> what what was so attractive or enticing about word the words for them well <laughs> i am not sure about that I will tell you that, well, I'll just tell you the honest story of how it happened. So I, it was about five years ago and I woke up in the middle of the night and I, <clears throat> I felt like the Lord, that God was, I mean, it wasn't like an audible voice, but I, I felt like God was saying, just start writing, start writing about your journey, about, you know, what I'm teaching you through this and, and the struggle. And at the time 
I didn't want to. And so for a couple of weeks, but it was, it was very clear, you know, I, I felt very clear and it just kept pressing on my heart. Like, this is what you're supposed to do. This is what you're supposed to do. So I think it was about two or three weeks after that, I finally sat down at the computer and just started writing. And I actually started writing about how obedience is not always easy. You know, when, when we are called to do something, it's often very difficult and it's not always clear what it is. Cause for me at that point, it was, that was about that, that time when things were going really, really bad. It was probably the, the hardest and difficult, most difficult portion of our lives, both with the jobs and marriage and my health and different things. And so I, you know, I was thinking, what do I have to write about? Like, I have nothing good to write about right now. But I think it was because I was able to start then. And so I just started writing. I just started writing whatever, whatever was on my heart that day. And I just kept a journal on my computer. And then a couple of years later, and Diego, I'm getting to your question. A couple of years later, it's, I started a blog and, you know, and then a, a Facebook group for people who were suffering in different ways. So my kids knew I was writing, right? They would, I, I would sit down at the computer and they'd be like, mom, what are you doing? You know, cause I, I wasn't on the computer a lot. I, I wasn't, I'm not very, I just didn't do that a lot. And so they would ask me and I, <laughs> so I would tell them I was, what I was writing. And sometimes my son would, would read what I was writing. Oh, are you writing about me today? And I'm like, yeah, because you see my name, you see, you see his name on there. So then he was like, well, you're going to write a book. And so it was by him, like seeing me writing, you know, writing on the computer. And, and honestly, at that point, I, I was, I laughed. I was like, no, there's no way this is not going to be a book. <laughs> this is probably just for my own sake, you know, like my own therapy writing. So anyway, so over the years, you know, he just, he, he kept saying that and I kept thinking, no, it's not going to happen. But then at the beginning of the year, I, you know, it just, it just kind of hit me like, yeah, I, I have a lot of content and I, you know, several people from the blogs, you know, told me how much it was blessing them. And I was like, well, this, this, this could be a book. And so that's how it started. It's funny how you mentioned it saying like, listen, this is going to be, it's, it's for me. And I think we often underestimate as people that when we're working on ourselves and we're doing something for ourselves, others get inspired by it. I think that's one of the things that as we take for granted that when we're working on ourselves and finding solutions for ourselves, there are other people with similar struggles that are just like, hey, this is so beautiful that you're talking about this. And, and we can relate and, and we're grateful that somebody is willing to share the experience because we all keep it kind of kind of bottled up. What I was really interested in is you mentioned the time frame a couple of times already. So I was wondering if that, that period around where you started was somewhat related to the birth of your third child. Like, was it right before or right after? Yeah. So it was, it was shortly after she was born and my husband was traveling for work. He was gone more than he was home. And so I had you know, three kids and, and that's when I, I started having a lot of nerve problems also. So it was, there was a lot of different things going on at the same time. And she also, my, my third child was, she cried for the pretty much the first year of her life. So I was under a lot of stress with, with her also. So yeah, there was just a lot of different 
life stuff going on that was very a lot uh, of pressure yeah no because you mentioned it i was like yeah i can't like with my wife with the, we have two only so i can imagine three being even 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 harder but we also mentioned a change complete change in dynamics like it's like an extra person in your family and for me especially being an only child like it's like every time there's like a piece of your life that's kind of being taken from you and what you get in return is so much more but you do have to find a new way to structure uh, your life so i i find that really interesting and we talked about the, the food part but also from a perspective for from a mother with with four children a wife and mother from four children do you have tips for like first-time parents and tips that you would like to share like what's mm. what, what are some tips and tricks which are definitely useful when you're when you're getting children yes oh i could talk about this all day but one I think the most valuable thing is having one-on-one -on -one times with your kids. So having four kids, it's definitely more challenging and I can't do it every day, but even sitting down with one child, to, you know, doing what they want to do for like 15, 30 minutes is invaluable. I, I've noticed, I noticed such a difference in the children when I spend that quality time with them, giving them my undivided attention. They, they're completely different children. You know, they, they, they feel valued, loved. And so that's something I've been doing with them since they were, you know, infants. And still, I mean, I can't do it with them every day now with older ones when they're in school, but we'll try to do a couple times a week where I'll just play a game with them or ask them, what do you want to do? You know, what do you want to do for one-on-one -on -one time? And they have lists of things that they choose from, but that's, that's definitely probably one of the top things that that I would say is, you know, yeah, let's see what else. Oh, I think, you know, reading with kids is reading like valuable. I mean, um, stuff that, that, that you can talk about and grow, grow together with is also, I mean, a lot of times we, we read devotions at, you know, after a meal and then we'll talk about it or we'll read about something that's going on in the world and pray together as a family. We have a map up on our wall and often, you know, talk about different countries and what's going on in the world. Because I think for kids, especially kids who are maybe more raised in a in an environment where it's more sheltered, it's so good for them to be exposed to, you know, what's going on in the world and and realize how blessed we, you know, how blessed they are. And so that's, I guess that's something else. Now that you mentioned that, actually, what, before we dive, I, for me, this is the last question. Maybe Diego has another one before we dive into the book. But now I do want to know, what's your favorite book? Oh, man. Either children's or adults. You, you can split it up if you want to. You know, oh my goodness. That's a, that's a great question. Besides the Bible, because I would say the Bible is my favorite book, of course. But I, you know, I love... I love the Chronicles of Narnia by C.S. Lewis. I, I just, I love all those books. The, are you familiar with that? Yeah, we, we know. I know. Okay. The, I, I haven't read them. I have to be honest. I haven't I know the movies. I'm, and, uh, I, I'm familiar. Good I'm familiar. Oh, the books, the oh. books are so good. They're good for kids and they're so deep that they're so good for adults. I mean, I've read them. Are they better than the, than the movies? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Definitely. 
definitely. And we do have to do the follow-up question. What's your favorite Bible story? Well, I'll just say the first one that came to mind was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Because because, that's the one where, you know, the the king tells them to bow down to the to the statue and they say no. And they, they said, you know, we're going to, the king says, I'm going to throw you into the fiery furnace. And they said, you know, no, it doesn't matter. Like we, God, God can deliver us. He will deliver us. And even if he doesn't deliver us, we're not going to bow down, you know, and of course God rescues them in the fire. But I just love that statement that they believed God could, that he would, but even if he didn't, they wouldn't stop believing. And I think that's, that is such, you know, a thing that we need to, to, to learn that just once, cause somebody, you know, sometimes we treat God like a vending machine. We're like, we pray and we're like, you know, give me this or do the good works and give me this. And then when he doesn't give it to us, then we stop believing, but that's not how that's not who God is. And that's not how God works. So I just love, I love their statement of faith and, you know, doesn't matter. doesn't matter. Even if he doesn't, we'll, we'll still do this. So awesome. I just want to go to the book now because it's been a process. It's been a process of, of five years and your son said, you're going to write a book and now it's actually there. So how did the actual process start? How did you decide like, I'm going to do this and I'm going to share, share my story. So it, so yeah, I think it was, I'm going to say February. I, I just, it was kind of a, just a very strong, I don't know. It just became a very strong desire out of nowhere. I felt like I was like, I need to write a book. And so I just started looking, I had no, I had no experience. Like I'd, I didn't know the first thing about publishing. So I just started looking up online, like what, how, how to publish a book, how to write a book, how to start writing a book, you know, and just to trying to collect all the information. Hours and hours on Google. <laughs> yeah. And that's where I come, came across, you know, the self-publishing school and like, oh, this looks like something, you know, something good. Like I could, somebody to help me get through the process of it. And so listen to some different talks and some different podcasts and, and that's where I started. And so then I just, I signed up with them and started with my mind map, started creating all the different ideas. And because I had written so much over the years, I mean, I probably had almost a hundred pages, you know, full pages on the computer written out. So I just started I just read through that, made the outlines, started cutting and pasting. And then, and it was, it's hard because I don't, I mean, I, I, I stay home with the kids. So I, I just would have to write 30 minutes here, you know, 10 minutes here, 20 minutes here. My, my husband's like, how did you do anything? Cause he can't do anything when he's with the kids. He's only can keep them alive. So he's like, I don't know how you wrote a book. <laughs> I always say. Whenever I'm with them, they're completely happy. When their mother comes home, they're completely happy. But it's, it's, I can only focus on this. There's nothing else that gets done. So I completely understand that one. Okay. But from the, yeah, go ahead. 
No, no. So that that's just that's just what that was just it. I just had to I just tried to make every moment that I could and put in some more time, you know, write some more words, put it together and it it took it was a, so it was about a process of about eight months, I guess. On that process. So you've been writing before you started the, the book, you've been writing blog posts already and creating mm-hmm. content online. How has that, you know, that experience of writing something online where you have, it's kind of a, a different type of writing, right? Or, or a different type of audience, I, I would imagine. How did that translate into writing for a book? And did you take any content you've written online and converted it into content for the book, for example? Yes, I, I did take content from from what I've written already online. And I think, you know, one of the things was it, it, it boosted my confidence because I never, I never considered myself a writer. I wouldn't consider my, I don't, I mean, I can, I think I can write okay, but I never really thought, oh, I'm, I'm a writer. I'm an author or whatever. So, but getting feedback from people. And I think one of the main things that I heard from people was it is so nice to have somebody who is writing in the middle of something that is difficult because it's so easy to write for something after it's done, right? When we've, when we've gotten the victory, when we had the healing, when we've got whatever, you know, the, the big aha, whatever it is. And for me, I hadn't, I would, I'm, it's, it's a very vulnerable place of writing because I'm still going through it. You don't know what's going to happen. My writing was right. just. So you, you're yeah, in the process. I don't know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So I think just having people encourage me and say, thank you for writing from this place. It gave me confidence to be, to, to say, okay, well, even if this isn't necessarily comfortable for me, it's a good thing to do. And and, and I, I was enjoying it too. I, I did enjoy, I, I'm, I'm more of a processor in my writing, like writing than, than talking. So for me, writing was, was helpful for me even to understand myself and what's going on. I'm curious, how would you describe good writing? Because a, a, as you said, you, you don't consider yourself really a writer, but <laughs> from your perspective, going through that process, how would you? Or what would you consider good writing? How would you describe that? Well, I am a very, very picky reader. So I often start books and by like probably the like third or fourth paragraph, I can tell you if it's good or not. Because I just, I'm, I'm very, I, I enjoy rich language, which is why I enjoy older books more because there's a lot, the vocabulary is much better, the writing's better. And so I think I have a, I have a high standard for, for writing personally. And so I, I was like, I don't, I don't know if I measure up to that, but for me, my, my writing came, it felt like it came from more of a place of inspiration. For me, it was more like I felt at times kind of like compelled, like I need to write this. I need to get this out. It was so it when I when I wrote it, it wasn't like I'm going to write down and just think about what I'm going to write today. It was more like this is happening. I need to get this down on paper. So that was more my writing experience, whereas some people, you know, they can sit down and they can like formulate in their mind like, you know, or like people who come up with 
fiction books that 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 is incredible like i can't even fathom that but it's just interesting how different people have different experiences in writing and mine mine wasn't i don't think it's the traditional type of writing i guess so so feel free to elaborate a little bit on that because what what was your approach did you look back at things you have written like over the past years or were there certain parts in the book like where you were like wait i wrote about that already i i'm gonna go back into my stash to see what i wrote and how i can i can like recycle that content or was it completely newly written or completely new written sometimes honestly i would go back and be like how did i write that i i I, it was, it was kind of surprising to me that I, I wrote it and I've, I've had several people tell me, you know, that, that they felt like God speaking to them through, through the words that I was writing, you know, and, 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 and I do use a lot of scripture in my writing. I, I, I do use a lot of stories and, and different things. So I, I don't know. I, does that answer your question? I, maybe I didn't understand your question very well. Yeah. So did you include like old blogs that you wrote in the book or portions of old blogs that you wrote in the book? Yes. Well? Yes, I did. I did. I, I portions of them. I, I didn't put the whole thing in usually, but maybe a certain story, maybe a certain illustration, some things like that. Diego, are you ready for some over? Overrated, underrated. Before we go into that, okay, go ahead. Tying this back in your journey and, you know, having a, a chronic illness and especially getting this bent down or like typed down in, in, in word format, like how far do you plan ahead? Or because I, I can imagine it's a daily struggle. So how far can you plan ahead for yourself? Like, what's that like for you when you... <laughs> Like with a book, for example, like the DUI. Oh, with a book. But in, in general, I just try to narrow it down to get a sense of how planning is for you. I think for me, I, I really try to take things a day at a time, sometimes just an hour at a time, honestly. I, it's hard for me to think a lot like far into the future. Of course, your planning purposes, like for the kids and for more logistical things, that's fine. And, and I try to, I try to set goals, even with the book, I would set goals, you know, trying to have this completed by this date. But I think also just having a lot of grace, having, creating, creating space for days where I'm not able to get it done and, and realizing that that's okay. You know, it's not a failure. It's not I think I, I, I tend to, I don't like to fail at things. And so for me getting over, okay, that's okay. wasn't able to get everything I, I needed to done, but that's okay. You know, it's, it's, it's tomorrow's another day. And, but yeah, I think I, my, I, I really try to live one day at a time and not, not worry too much about tomorrow. No, I, yeah, I guess that's uh, makes some sense because you, you, you don't know what's going to happen, right? So you need to make the best possible with every day. Shanluk, whenever you're ready. Yeah. So, Gareth, we want to close it off a little bit on a light side. So, All right. do something fun. It's going to be overrated, underrated. We're just going to drop a topic for you. 
and you get to decide whether you feel it's underrated or overrated. And the best part is if you want to elaborate on it, you're allowed to elaborate on it. If you feel like I just want to say overrated or underrated or properly rated, it's, it's totally fine as well. Since I'm the one instigating this today, I will be the first one to start off. So I wanted to ask you, Costa Rica as a travel destination, is it underrated or overrated? Underrated. Underrated. I, it is, it is amazingly beautiful there. Amazingly. And you have everything so close. You got the beaches, you got the mountains, the rainforests, and everything is pretty cheap <laughs> and it's pretty easy to travel. So I would, it, it, it's, we, we've been trying, I've been trying to get my husband to go there for years and hopefully someday soon we'll be able to go because I've been telling him about it for so long and he's, he, he, he's always like, oh man, I can't wait to get there because you talk about it so much. So yeah. Oh, so you went, I'm a big fan of Costa Rica. You went Rica. there without him. I live, oh, I live there for, yeah, I live, yeah, yeah. Got it. <laughs> All right. For me. Learning about history, underrated or overrated? Oh, I, I want to say underrated again. I think we can learn so much from history. And if we actually learned from it, we probably wouldn't make as many mistakes as we are now. So I would say I'm underrated. That's smart. Yeah, that's true. Okay. So before I ask my next overrated, underrated, how heavily involved are you still in, in watching and following, so following soccer in the U.S.? <laughs> I wish my son was here. <clears throat> He's a, he, my 12-year-old is a soccer fanatic. He probably knows every team and every player, you know, out there. Of course, Messi is his favorite. We, we still watch a lot of soccer in our home. We... We follow, you know, mostly we, we follow the European teams, but also the MLS is, is probably. Yeah. So, so let's, let's keep it easy. The MLS, is the MLS overrated or underrated? Compared to the rest of the world, probably overrated. Because <laughs> let's just face it, most other countries play soccer a lot better than in America and in and, and, and the United States, I mean. <clears throat> but it's, it's up and coming. It's up and coming. Is, is there any is there any point that men's soccer will equal the quality of women's soccer in the U.S.? No, <laughs> not as long as the American football and baseball and the other boring sports are around. <clears throat> okay, <laughs> <laughs> I learned to play. I learned to play soccer in Costa Rica. Well, not learned to, but I, I, I got really into it there. And mm. I loved it. That was. It's definitely a highlight. Well, that's Latin America for you. <laughs> yeah, it is. Okay. Harry Potter, overrated or underrated? I'm going to say overrated. I watched the movies and read some of the books, but I don't. I think, uh, yeah, I wasn't too impressed. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. We've gotten too overrated and too underrated. So it's perfectly balanced right now. We're closing down on the hour mark. So Karis, we have to ask yourself, I ask you, what's next for Karis? What, what, <laughs> what are the next steps? Are you planning to write another book or is there something specific that you would love to share? I, I do think there's another book coming. 
I don't know when or how it's what it's going to be yet, but I, I do, I do feel that kind of that intuition that that that's probably coming for now. So the book is launched October 25th, two weeks. And yeah, so I'm just going to see where that takes me. I, I don't, I honestly don't know what, what is next, but God does. So I guess we'll well, go. Well, next is the book launch. I got a little bit ahead of myself. <laughs> Sorry for yeah. that, but I think next is the book launch. So if yeah. people are interested, they want to, they want to know more about your book. They want to order your book. They want to be on the, on the mailing list. How can they reach out to you or where can they pre-order their copy? And yeah. tell a little bit more as well about the book, about the book and what it's called and kind of a synopsis as well. Sure. So the book is called Suffering Redeemed, Finding Strength to Endure, Purpose in Pain, and Hope for Tomorrow. And it's really, so I, I share some parts of my story in it and stories throughout, but also it's, it's a, it's a guide for walking through suffering and for finding how to keep going really when life feels too hard. There's a lot, I have a lot of scripture in there, but also a lot of just practical tools for, for day, for day-to-day -day living, how to take care of ourselves holistically. You know, I think <clears throat> spirit and our soul and our mind, our emotions, body, there's so many parts of us that we need to care for. And so part of a couple of chapters about that. And then also how we can, the redeemed part is how God can use it in our lives and in the lives of others too, for good. Really, I think there's a lot of good that can come out of suffering. Many people, and, and myself included, I think we just try to avoid suffering at all costs and that's natural. But there's also a lot of, a lot of gifts that we can be given in suffering and wisdom that comes, growth that comes, you know, a lot of inner work that, that can be done if we are willing to, to do that. And, and also just opening up our, our eyes to see other people and what they're struggling with. And I think through my journey, you know, I have, I'm also a, a, a counselor and I, I think if I haven't suffered so much myself, I probably wouldn't be as compassionate and really open to hearing other people's pain because it really, yeah, it just creates a lot of empathy when, when you have gone some, through something really hard and just makes you want to love other people more. So that's a little bit about the book. My, you can find it. So my, my website is karismeyer.com. So it's just my name, K-A-R-I-S-M-E-I-E-R.com. And the book, like I said, comes out August or October 25th, and it'll be on Amazon at the beginning, and then it will go out to bookstores and libraries and others after that. So we quickly popped up the website, karismeyer.com. I think if you go to the website, you can actually subscribe to a newsletter. Yeah. Is that correct? Yeah. So if you want to get more information, you can get that as well. And on October 25th, your book will be live on Amazon. Are you excited? I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> I think I've been so like tunnel vision trying to get it done. But the other day I was like, oh my gosh, I just wrote a book. So I am excited. Yeah. <laughs>
I, I've seen that a lot, actually, like when writers or when people bring out a book, like they're so tunnel vision that when it's time to yeah. publish, they're not, they don't even realize like, oh, it's there. Like, the, yeah, <laughs> it's kind of very strange to see, but interesting nonetheless. So yeah. we will be looking forward to that and appreciate you coming on, sharing your story here with us and also about the book. So yeah. We wish you all the best with that, with the book launch, especially. Jean-Luc. Thank you. Thank you both. Before I get caught yeah, up again. Yeah, really pressure. Yeah, it, I will, I'm, I'm really happy that we got to talk a little bit as well, because it was kind of eye-opening for us as well, or for me as well, to look at it from a different perspective. I hope the book also finds, re reaches people that are struggling that do believe in faith, that like scriptures as well. I think for people that like scriptures in general, it will be, definitely be a book that they want to have in their collection as well. And we also quickly from uh, our viewers want to thank you for joining in and wish you and your family strength and love. So thank you so much for being part of Social Confos. Good luck with the book launch. We look forward to October 25th and we were excited to have you. So thanks again. Thank you. You're welcome. And say, and for those who are listening in or listening on streaming platforms, thank you for listening as well. Thank you for watching Social Confos. We'll be back here next week and actually also same time. Bye-bye.